There's a man I want to tell you about named Troy Patrick Farrell. He's a bum. He's been called Dr. Evening, Mocha Moses. Sometimes he calls himself the Mango Kid. He came from Carmel City, born a lion, a P-bone with a smile. Some say he had a soul on ice, but in the long run, he was alive and on fire. He sweats blood in sticky situations, but even the mango kid can be full of regrets. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Let's start the party. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Welcome to This, That, and the Other with your host, a true rock god. I think you're a canoodle. I think that you're a manipulator. I got you. Troy Patrick Farrell. Now get ready, because here comes the host. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Troy Patrick Farrell. Let me have a little fun, would you please? Uh, we're talking about Rob Wolchek. He's coming on this show in about 15 minutes, calling in from uh, D-Town, Detroit Rock City, home of Alice Cooper, Ted Nugent, and, of course, Rob Wolchek. And, uh, hey, how about Eminem, Kid Rock? A bunch of people are from there. Uh, Hugo Ferreira. From <laughs> He's probably got a warrant for his arrest out there. Anyway, um, let me uh, play a little package uh, from the Hall of Shame package. So Rob is on Fox 2 Detroit, and he goes after all the scumbags uh, from all these different you know walks of life and chases them down and, and tries to right the wrongs in the, uh, the greater Detroit area. And uh, this guy's been doing this investigative reporting for years and years and years. Somehow he popped up on my YouTube, and I became fascinated. Uh, fascinated with him you know just because I, I i like when people get called out and he's been calling them out for decades anyway here's a little uh, package i put together we got some more rock and roll coming up and then uh, rob wolchek phoning in from uh, detroit rock city here in about 15 minutes on this that and the other radio show taking your request to 747-236-3456 and uh, you can go ahead and text your request right there and uh, we'll definitely play them once we wrap up with rob who uh hopefully gives me a few minutes there because uh He's got a career that is unbelievable. Check it out. Problem solver Rob Walchek says this guy never seems to clean up his act. Yola Monica, he's a big dude with a bad temper, and he sure wasn't happy to see me. John Kraft 
thinks he's going to get me to back down. Get the f*** away from me now. Hey, 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 hey. No, John, get out John, of my John, face. Hey, hey. John Kraft thinks he's going to get me to lay off. You got nothing better to do with your but I've been dealing with con man contractors like John Kraft for years. In fact, I've been dealing with John Kraft for years. How about you get out of my face now? Hey, man. John Kraft's annex have gotten him a lot of unwanted attention. And now, in front of the Canton Home Depot, John's annex are once again drawing stairs. You guys can go about your business, please. Seriously, it's not a free show out here. You're wrong, John. It is a free show, so let's raise the curtain. Yeah, okay. I got caught up in an unlicensed builder situation, which was the funniest thing. It was a law in the first place. John doesn't like the law, and wouldn't you know it, I'm the guy that helped get it passed. That's me with Governor Jennifer Granholm signing the bill into law. I'm guessing John won't like me even more after seeing this video. This. Because you're going to paint me any way you can paint me to make me look bad. I, I know this. I don't have to paint you any special way to make you look bad. You keep getting arrested, John. Well, you keep getting in trouble. I keep getting contacted by people. You got I got no beef with you personally. I don't want to chase you around. John, you've truly mastered the craft of making it into the Hall of Shame. He's Look, got I, all his neighbors mad at him. No, I have two You're neighbors. driving a car. I've seen you neighbors. driving cars. You got a bunch of DUIs, right? You drink. You get arrested. I don't drink. Well, you did drink. Yeah. You got what? Four what DUIs, right? It's got a lot to do with it. He's out driving a vehicle. He doesn't have a driver's license. So I'm not do you have a problem with the shot? But I saw you just last week driving no, a didn't. vehicle. No, you didn't. What do you mean, no, I didn't? I absolutely did. You've seen Ron Gordon driving it. Yeah, that can't be Dave. This guy's wearing a shirt. As we're leaving, Dave leaves us with one more crazy rant. Now, you raise hell with them people. Don't raise hell with me. I'm not raising I pay hell. my taxes. I'm, I don't just, cheat on my taxes like he does and she you. does. I'm just talking to you. No, you're, you're the one not. that's getting all worked up. Yeah, I'm getting worked up because I'm getting tired of people riding my butt. Well, maybe you should clean up, and then people won't ride your butt. Hey, Dave, your place may be a mess, but we've been cleaning up our shop, waiting for you in the Hall of Shame. And then there are the misdemeanors, stolen property, bad checks, and running a repair shop without a license. And he was convicted of driving without a license 25 times. And today, he's driving one of his customers' Cadillacs to the phone store. Time for me to put a dent in the collision guy's day. Can I ask you about your body shop? Sure. What's going on with, uh... I don't have a body shop. Okay, I'll play along for now. Okay, well, I gotta ask you about some customers of your orchard restoration shop. Niambi, you remember her? Oh, I know Niambi. Well, yeah. what happened to her car? She's got a judgment against you for, like, $6,000. You gonna pay her? No. Because I fix everything I could on her car. What about Nicole? You remember Nicole? I got a judgment no, for her, too. Nicole, I'll pay. But have a good Well, hang on here. Talk to me for a minute. Kevin takes off, but a half hour later, we meet again. I came to talk to you. When Kevin comes after me across the street from the mystery body shop, we've seen him at for weeks. So what's this business over here? That That's somebody else. 
Whose car is this car anyway? So you, you don't even have a driver's license, Kevin. I don't have what? You, you got your license is su suspended, isn't it? Thank you for free publicity. You're welcome, Kevin. Welcome into the Hall I go inside to see just how resolved everything really is. What do you think of these guys? I think they're uh, shammers, chasters. I think they like to rip people off. And he may be right. When we walk outside, Travis is bailed and doesn't come back for the rest of the day. Travis, you may be gone, but you're not forgotten. And neither are you, Kevin. You're in the Hall of Shame. Uh, yeah, you know what happens when this happens. If you guys, uh... To tune in and turn up to the show. This means we got a guest coming on. And he phoned in right on time. He's a pro. So we're going to get uh, Rob on the phone right now. Super stoked about this. Rob Wolchek, Fox 2 Detroit, the Hall of Shame. Let's give him a ring. Hey, how you doing, Rob Walchek? Uh, welcome to uh, this, that, and the other radio show on Dirty Radio FM, Dirty Radio Classics, man. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing real good. You want me on speakerphone or you want me on this phone? Ah, whatever works. Uh, I oh. mean, I have you uh, c piping right through the board, so whatever works for you for uh, better okay, audio right, for you. All right, I'm, I'm good right now, man. Awesome. La, 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 la. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on, on the show. You know, it, it's been, uh, I, I feel like I've been chasing you for a year, which is um, nowhere near some of the amount of time that you've spent chasing some of these guys in the Detroit area. But we've, before we get to the Hall of Shame, I want to, uh, you know, just kind of rewind a little bit because you've got, you've got a long career, uh, not only in front of the camera, but uh, w with headphones behind the microphone, going back, kind of doing what I'm doing, but uh, spinning country tunes and then uh, spinning Foreigner. When you when you made the move, but can we go back to uh, some of your radio days? Well, I, I I grew up wanting to be a DJ. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I know you're a musician, and I know most of your guests are musicians, and I I totally appreciate that. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a rock star, but I just didn't have what it took. I was in bands and stuff, but I kind of realized it wasn't going to make it. So uh, then I wanted to be a DJ, and I wanted to play rock and roll music, and uh, I did that for, oh, from about 78 until maybe 1989, and then I became a TV reporter. Well, let's talk about the musician thing. So if you were going to be a rock, by the way, I think you're the rock star of the airwaves because, uh, you know, <laughs> your your show showed up on my YouTube and I'm like, oh, what's this Rob Walchek dude? And I'm like, oh, he's, he's going after people. You know, I, I always loved those segments when I lived in L.A. when they would go after, you know, the shady people, you know, it, right, but, right. but, but the, uh, the segments were never as intense as yours are. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but, uh, before you, uh, get into radio, you want to be a rock star. What, what are you going to play? Are you a drummer, guitar player, singer, which one are you doing? Well, I'm a, I, I'm a guitarist and I can play keyboards. I even play the drums a little bit. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. My brother was a musician and um, and he was really good, and I was not so good. But even being not so good, I got a lot of uh, natural music talent, and so I just kind of, 
did my thing. If somebody needed me to play guitar, I would play guitar. And then I was in a band in the early 80s uh, in L.A., not a well-known band at all. It was nothing at all. I'm not going to mention the name. But uh, I, I was the singer of a band. We were kind of new wavy. I don't even know what you would call it. But I was the singer, so I can sing pretty good. We played like all the clubs like Gazaris and all the kind of clubs where the not-so-good bands uh, start out playing. But it was fun. It was cool, you know, and I loved it. But uh, I went back to being a DJ, so... Where uh, where do you hail from? Where uh, you know where are your roots? I I grew up in in Los Angeles, Orange County. So I grew up in L.A. and uh, that's where. Then I moved away to work in radio, and then I was about twenty. I started in radio when I was about nineteen, and then I moved away uh, to New Mexico, and then I came back and I wanted to work at the big time L.A. radio stations, and they left me out of there. So. I, you know, I worked all over, but eventually I made my way back onto the airwaves. And, you know, I was DJ, and then I kind of became a newsman on the radio, and then I got into TV. But I loved playing records, you know. I mean, I, I really liked being a DJ when I started out because I got to play. I mean, I couldn't exactly play what I wanted to play, but you could select, oh, look, you can play uh, Foreigner Hot-Blooded, or you could play... Barry Manilow, Mandy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was top 40 radio, but but in the smaller market, you had a little bit of a choice. Then I got to L.A., and it was just, you know, everything was, you know, you got to play this, you got to play, you got to play Mandy, and you got to act like you like it. Yeah. Here's a little air supply for you. Hey, I'm lost in love. <laughs> Look at you. still got the pipes for it. It's yeah, awesome. Well, it's super I, awesome. Uh, yeah, so so that was it. But I, I liked being a DJ, and then I, I turned 30, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? I can't be a DJ anymore. And, uh, I mean, I could have, but I just didn't see a future in it, so I became a TV reporter. But if you notice in my TV reports, I use a lot of music. It's a, it's a big part of what I do. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that was uh, one of the things that attracted me to you and wanting to have you on here because you play a lot of rock and roll stuff and, and, and the songs always tie in a little bit to, you know, like Hit the Road Jack and it, there's probably some contractor named Jack that's, you know, stiffing people, taking deposits and not, uh, you know, fulfilling their commitments. So, you know, not only do you, know, do you play the rock and roll music, but it ties into the story, which, you know, I always love. Uh, you produce all your own segments? Well, I will say, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I have a producer, but I mean, I put them all together and, and, uh, a lot of times people will comment who does the music on these things and whoever's doing the music on these things, I do the music cause that's what I like, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, music is a big part of my life, you know, and, and, uh, uh, so, you know, if I got like a creepy bad guy coming up, lumbering up to the microphone uh, to give me uh some hell i might want to play a little godzilla by blue oyster cult because it's got that bomb 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 yeah. you know and it just fits <laughs> you know and and people will recognize that you know if you got like a really bad businessman talking a bunch of bs you know and you even just hear the riff of bto's taking care of business in the background you know, some people might not get it, but then some people like you and me who are musically based, we hear that and go, oh, man, that's Bachman Turner Overdrive taking 
care of business. And here's this guy bamboozling somebody. So I don't know. It's, you know, just kind of a part of my shtick, I suppose. No, it's very cool. It's very cool. Uh, you know, I think on one of the more recent segments I saw you, you know, you played another uh, Detroit hero, uh, Alice Cooper. And, you know, so stuff like that's very cool. What are what are some of your favorite bands? What stuff that you listen to when you're when you're off the clock? And I mean, because, you know, you and I communicating, especially over the past few days, you're up at all hours and producing and then chasing these guys at their court dates at, you know, first thing in the next morning. So when you have time to, you know, sort of uh, decompress, what does a, a, a Rob Walchek listen to? Well, listen, dude, I told you I wanted to be a rock star and I still live the rock star hours. I'm up till three o'clock every morning. That's why I text you late at night because, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into TV. I was like, well, I do not want to work a nine to five job. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I still live the rock star hours. What do I listen to? Well, I feel like a lot of the bands that you have and members of the bands, I've seen a lot of those bands in the eighties. You know, I mean, I saw, I mean, the seventies, I saw the bands like fog hat and, uh, Oh, what was it? Three Dog Night and uh, Steve Miller Band. You know, I mean, I saw whatever was happening at the time. And then in the 80s, I saw a lot of the bands like, um, you know, Great White, Cinderella. Um, you know, never saw Guns N' Roses, but I certainly liked them a lot. Um, you know, I saw all those kind of, you know, pop, rocky, heavy metal. Sure, bands. sure. Um, Billy Idol, you know, people like that. And uh, now I listen to, you know, I, I can, after being a DJ, you know, when you're a DJ, you have to play all kinds of different songs. And you might have to play a Madonna song a hundred times. And I'm not like a big fan of Madonna, but I can certainly appreciate a good pop song, you know. So I like all kinds of things, you know what I mean? What do I listen to now? Gosh, who knows, man? You know, I mean, I like uh, Depeche Mode. I like... Uh, Peter Gabriel, I like Scorpions, you know, I mean, ACDC, I, you know, I play a lot of ACDC oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. <laughs> in my stories, and, you know, I still think ACDC is like the best beat rock and roll there is, I mean, it's just, it goes under anything, you know, it's just a, it's, it's almost like dance music with a hard edge, it's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's meat and potatoes, rock and roll. It's the simplest of the simple, but yet it's so effective. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, think about uh, all those tunes that we listened to as kids and now you're using them in your news pieces. And, and, and I think, I think that's a big attractive part of what you do, which is, uh, which is very cool, you know, that you're able to, to interact some rock music and, and really kind of you know, liven up the segment with with the the music, the rock and roll music. Going, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna take the gloves off on this one. Um, so you know, you finish up and wrap up doing the DJ stuff. You're 30 years old. You're like, I gotta get a gig that's gonna move up. You're married. You're conscious of your wife. And how do you transition into TV? Actually, getting a gig, uh, whether it's behind the camera or in front, or actually, in in your case, in the early days, you were doing everything, right? Well, yeah, I, um, I, I uh, on my 30th birthday, this was before I was married, and I, I had a, an ex-girlfriend who called me and said, well, I thought you wanted, she called me on my 30th birthday, and she said, did you ever go down and do that internship at that TV station? And I had been saying for years, oh, I got to get out of this radio crap. I got I to I gotta get into TV. I got to get into TV. And uh, she called me on my 30th birthday and made me, call this guy I knew that had an internship at a TV station in LA 
and he ran the program there and I started interning and then, you know, I just started doing whatever. And then I, I got the chance to be a reporter and do some things and I was just good at it. You know, I, I don't know. I was just good at storytelling and I, I totally understood all the editing and I understood bridging the, the stories with narration and using the audio and the sound and the TV stuff. And I was just good at it. And then I had, uh, then I got married, you know, and then I uh, had a baby on the way and I was like, well, I got to get a job and I need to work full time. So I started working at small market TV stations and, you know, learned the craft and spent a few years working in Bakersfield and, uh, few years working in Fresno and then I came to Detroit which was just supposed to be a, a stop and I've been here for 24 years wow 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 you know what what do you think because your investigative reporting um is very different because it's in some ways very confrontational um but to, you know a lot of the reporters you know they're reporting an accident they're doing the weather they're talking about whatever's uh, in uh, you know national news and there's sort of a sort of a format that they have to fill in a way that has to be delivered your delivery is is very different but i think also the content and the, and the stories you're doing are very different they're very personal stories about people that are kind of getting screwed over by other people and you really got to kind of uh, strip all the the niceties down and and really get to the grit of it is that something that you had early on did you have that sort of uh that honest reporting where you kind of go hey man this is what's what's up i mean obviously you have to kind of follow your script a little bit but um did somebody see something you going wait a second uh, this there's something here with this guy is a little different on how he uh attacks the story well, to be honest, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I was a general assignment reporter. That means, you know, I'm out doing fires and murders and car accidents and everything like that. And, and those reporters are going out every day. And, you know, you come into work and they say, oh, there's a big fire and uh, uh, somebody uh, uh, is in the hospital from it. And you go to the fire and you get your video and you grab your sound bites and you put together the stories and then you do a live shot. And we're, we're here at the fire. We're da, 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 this guy in critical condition. And you do that every single day. And then what happened was I was in Fresno and I, 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 I got involved in a story that was some idiots set a park on fire. And uh, so just vandalism. And I went on this story and they had vandalized this park and it turned out to be a park that um, catered to uh, disabled children, you know, kids in wheelchairs. Yeah, yeah. And they burnt this park up and... I just couldn't believe that somebody would do that. You know, I mean, I was really angry and I just thought, this is friggin' ridiculous. Who sets fire to a park? So I started doing this kind of reporting and I just kind of let my emotions come out. I mean, in a professional manner. But, you know, I mean, I was really appalled that somebody would burn down this park. I mean, we were literally there and there were kids rolling up in wheelchairs, getting out of their uh, disabled vans and, and, and rolling up in wheelchairs with tears in their eyes because they had all this equipment that was made for disabled kids to play on and they couldn't play. They, we, somebody torched a park for disabled kids. So I kind of got this reputation as being this, and, and we ended up, I started this little drive and we ended up raising like $150,000 to get the park rebuilt. So then they just started throwing me on all these stories 
They called me the scam buster, and I started going after people that were ripping people off because I'm not somebody that's real smart, and I'm I'm not I don't consider myself to be anybody just a working Joe. And you know, you got to hire somebody to fix your furnace, and somebody rips you off. You know, they come in, they say you need a new discombobulator, and <laughs> you say, "Well, how much?" Johnson that? Rod. And you show up. <laughs> $450 and then you find out that they sell a discombobulator to everybody on the block and they're ripping people off and they're cheating people. So it was just natural for me to go after them. And honestly, I just give a damn. So, you know, it's kind of a thing where I like people and I like to talk to people and I like to hear about when people get cheated. And then I like to go after and confront the bad guys and put them on the spot and, giving them some negative publicity. So it's kind of a natural thing for me. And then, you know, I, I like to do it and I like to go after the guys. And then I put together a little soundtrack and I do a little crazy writing and I do my crazy, you're in the hall of shame thing and people like it. I don't know. How do you uh, source a lot of your stories? Do, um, you know, the, probably in the early days before you transitioned into the go-to guy to sort of resolve these these uh, public issues, um, did, would people just call into the news and, and, and then maybe somebody at the news desk would go, huh, there's a story here. There's multiple calls about this company. Is, is that how you get a lot of your stuff, or, you know, word of mouth? I mean, now today you're known as the Hall of Shame guy and you're known as the one that puts these people up against the wall. But uh, in the early days, how did these... You know, how did this kind of manifest into this thing that, you know, now 20 some odd years later in Detroit, you're the go to guy for this kind of thing? Well, you know, there's people everywhere that rip off people. You know, I mean, sure. a lot of times, <laughs> you know, you'll see people, you know, that'll comment and they'll be like, all, uh, uh, you know, oh my God, I can't believe there's so many crooks in Detroit and can't believe there's so, you know, Detroit's a great city. I love Detroit. You know, I mean, we have great people here. This is a, a real place with real people and real hardworking people. But just like everywhere, there are cheats and con men, you know? And, and so, you know, when I started out, I got, you know, uh, I, they would kind of push the cheating con man type stories to me. But then, uh, you know, now people write to me from all over, all over the world, really trying to get me to help them. Wow. Which, you know, I can't really do, but, I'll give them advice, you know, I mean, I, I, there's there's just bad people everywhere. I mean, I think the majority of people are good people. I think most of us work hard, we do our jobs, and we pay our bills, and if we need our furnace fixed or a car fixed or we need to buy a car or we need to uh, uh, go to court, we expect to have a decent, honest judge, but some of them aren't, you know, so I go after judges and you know, bad politicians and, you know, but not like, on you know, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't go after bad politicians. Like I don't like his politics or anything like that. Sure. I sure, don't touch sure. any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I go after lazy judges and judges that don't show up to work and things like that. So I don't know. I'm just a, a good guy going after bad guys and people like it. One of the, yeah, you know, one of the big stories as you, um, you know, transfer from the uh, the lovely West Coast with the better weather and you head into the Midwest, um, there was there was a big story that uh, seemed back in 2010 that that sort of kind of broke. This really was the one about the, the Chrysler busted on the job story. Is this happening in Detroit when this uh, goes down? Have oh, you yeah, that was that, that that was in Detroit. Yeah. So well, you already made the out. move. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I moved to I've been in Detroit since '97. So yeah, yeah. In 2010, uh, there was a uh, uh, unfortunately there were some uh, Chrysler workers that we had been tipped off that had been uh, you know taking a liquid lunch at the park, and these were guys that were working on the line and and they were smoking dope and uh, drinking you know pounding down you know, uh, beers, uh, and other alcohol at lunch. And then, you know, I ended up, you know, I had my spy cameras out there and we caught all these guys day after day after day coming out and getting messed up and then I confronted them. And yeah, that was a, that was a big deal. That was a, that was a story that, um, that was quite a big deal because Chrysler had just been bailed out, um, from, uh, you know, the government for, all of the the falling out. It, it was it was a bad it was a bad deal. These those guys really gave Chrysler a bad name at that time. Don't get me wrong, I love Chrysler and I work in Detroit, so I don't want I got nothing against any of the the auto workers and ninety nine point nine percent of them were all good guys, but those guys weren't. So, yeah, no, no, no. It's it's exposing the bad apples that uh, don't necessarily represent the company, and that's why they're getting exposed because they're, if anything, they're misrepresenting the company. Um, you know, so you you make your move to Detroit, and you said what ninety seven. What what? How did you get the offer? And were you brought over there to be an investigative reporter, or what, yeah, were I was you just brought over to be the whole machine guy? You know. Oh I, wow! I was, was kind of doing the same thing when I was in uh, Fresno, and uh, this girl. Uh, that I worked with, she was coming to work out here, and she said, "Oh, they got this uh, station in uh, Detroit, and I'm going to work there." And they got this really progressive news director, and he really would like your style, your kind of in-your-face style. And and I was like, "Well, I don't want to work in Detroit." And uh, um, you know, I thought I was going to go to LA or San Francisco, and then um, and then I came out and interviewed and. They hired me and uh, whatever. People liked me here. So, you know, I, I just kind of kept staying here. And, you know, they let me do my own thing here. They've been really good to me. And, and the viewers here in Detroit have been very good. Like I said, I've lived here for 25 years by choice. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I like it. You know, I've raised my family here. It's a good city. You know, I mean, it's a good place to live. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about the cold winters or anything sure. like that. But, you know, it's it's been good to me, and you know, this is my home now. Let's talk about some of these interactions with some of these guys. The you know, the contractors. The uh, you know, you uh, you had a handicap porch uh, rebuilt because you, you exposed the original guys doing it, and another company came and donated their time to get that done. You've had bills passed you know, to prevent some of these people from doing these things or at least increasing the, you know, the penalties and fines and jail time. Uh, you know, one thing that I notice is that uh, a lot of these stories are repeat offenders that go back decades. Like you'll see some dude in, you know, 2010 and then 10 years later, you're talk. it's the same story. It's just 10 years later and you're going after him. Um, these guys obviously know you because they've already been on your story. They probably fear you because you're not good for their, you know, for their advertisement because they're being exposed as, uh, you know, scumbags. Do you have, I, I mean, have you had any, any of these guys threaten you because of, uh, I mean, because you, you get in some pretty ballsy confrontations with these guys, more than I've ever seen anywhere else with any other uh, investigative news. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've had some uh, I've I've had some unpleasant threats over the years. Let's just put it that way. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, you know, I try to avoid that. You know. I mean, if you notice, when I go up to these guys, I mean, I'm not a jerk to them. I mean, I don't walk up to them and say, hey, you SOB, you're stealing money from uh, people and this and that. You know, I mean, I'm nice to them and, you know, I do my homework and I kind of catch them in a few lies and then they get angry and then... You know, so I mean, I, I'm very, I think I'm very fair to them, but I mean, the people that I go after are, are bad guys. And, you know, unfortunately, it's been my experience that, you know, these bad guys, they continue to do the same thing. And, you know, I mean, I'd like to be able to say, oh, yeah, once I do a story, they're exposed and they see the light and then they go from being bad guys to good guys. Yeah. But it really doesn't work that way. I mean, there's just this 5% of the population and, you know, you do a story on them and they, they, you know, come up a couple of years later doing the same thing or doing something different or they change their name or they change their business name. But, you know, there's, I mean, my opinion, there's good people in the world. 95% of us are good people. 5% are bad guys. And I go after the bad guys, you know, and. That's the way it is, and if and I go 100, percent so that's the way it goes. Yeah, you do, you confront them in a very non-confrontational way. You know, where where you're stating the facts, they know what they're doing. They, you know, everything that you, you know how how much uh, the check was written for, and you know what days of the week they showed up, and then when they disappeared, you know the victims. You know the whole story. You go and you sit down with these folks. And you get the whole story, and uh, you check it all out, and then when you go and and uh, you know confront them, so to speak, they om- they they almost can't. Uh, yeah, they get mad at you, but they they can't fault you because they're getting called out with everything that you're saying is true. Um, we'll talk about a couple of the the stories that uh, really stood out to me. Some of the big ones that just kind of continued, and then I want to touch on a couple of the success stories, um, like you know the handicap ramp, and then the street that went you know looking like uh, Mars for for decades, and then you showed up the next thing you know they came and uh, you know repaved it. But uh, breakthrough towing, what, you know that dude, that what, the Cunningham guy. Like I know these names, you know. Like what was the story? What's the outcome with the the breakthrough? towing guys because that was a pretty big story uh even just you know for folks that watch your show uh online on youtube you know just yesterday um i got a, a, a contacted it's funny you would mention that story just yesterday i got contacted from a uh, uh another reporter at um oh what does she work for her name's violet she writes for uh, uh one of the detroit papers uh and she called and told me that um detroit city council just passed some kind of bill against predatory towers. Did I say that right? Predatory, predatory, whatever. Bad guy towers. Um, (laughs) And and she said, you know, uh, she contacted me and she said, hey, are you going to take a victory lap on this? Well, I was was real busy um, yesterday, so I, I, I didn't, but I don't know if she did or not. But, you know, I mean, we... She worked. She covered it on a newspaper angle. I covered it on a TV angle. So obviously, I had the visuals to go with. So my stories probably stood out a little more. But anyways, yeah. So you know, that's a success story. That they they, they passed laws against these companies coming in and charging outrageous amounts of money and making it all uh, uh, cash only and all of the things that that guy happened to be doing. And uh, and so 
yeah, you know, so there, there's a, a a success story right there. I did a bunch of stories on those guys, and they were just terrible. They were taking people's cars, and sometimes, granted, the people did park illegally, but they were taking their cars and holding them hostage yeah. for $450 cash, and most people didn't have $450 cash. And then, you know, sometimes they were doing things like breaking laws where um, the people would come up and say, hey, hey, that's my car. Don't tow it. And they'd say, sorry, once it's hooked, uh, we got to take it, which is a total lie. Uh, the law actually says that if the person comes up while the car is hooked, they have to let it go. Anyways, I did a bunch of stories on them. And now that's a couple of years later. Pretty much that guy is out of business. And now there's a bunch of laws against him and uh, uh, or what he was doing. So, you know, success. You know, we, we got it done. We helped a bunch of people and that's good. Yeah, you know, not not to give away any secrets, but, you know, when you get multiple phone calls about the breakthrough towing or, or you know, the, the contractor that's uh, taking, you know, big deposits, showing up one day and then disappearing, um, how, how do you ultimately get into it? Because it seems like, you know, like, for example, the breakthrough towing story, there's the owner, then there were the spotters that would sit outside the uh, McDonald's. And if you, you know, stepped one foot on the sidewalk, the tow truck was there ripping that car out of there. Um, you know, and how long do these stories take from the time that you get notified and then you do all the investigation? Cause obviously you got to kind of check your tracks and everything to when a story like this ultimately airs, how, how much time do you invest in some of these stories? Well, you know, months, I mean, it, it, it's not unusual for me to even start a story, you know, uh, uh, I started a story last, right before the pandemic started, in March of 2020, and uh, now I'm kind of revisiting it, because it's still going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, sometimes, however long it takes, you know, I mean, Fortunately, you know, uh, Fox 2 in Detroit has been really good to me about they know, you know, when the story's done, the story's done. It takes months. And, you know, as far as things like that, you know, you hear about um, like a breakthrough towing. Oh, they're towing these cars from McDonald's. They're towing these cars from McDonald's. And I can go interview people, but the best way to do to show that is to have, you know, I have some sneaky photographers who will sit there all day and videotape it. And, you know, something like Breakthrough, I mean, it was pretty easy because all he had to do was sit across the street and, you know, they were towing. I mean, people that people that left the parking lot and went to another restaurant or went next door to uh, pick up a prescription at a drugstore or something, Yeah. as soon as they walked out of the parking lot, they had the spotters sitting in the parking lot. Once we were able to identify the spotters, you know, now, of course... <laughs> This is all without being noticed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You got to get all this video. I'm not going to get into my professional trade secrets, but sure. you know, they bring me all this video, and and, um, and and I'm out there a lot of times with them, you know, uh, in my disguises and uh, uh, watching all of this go down, and and you know, then you've got you know 20 people that got towed, and then you know, you got their license plates, so you know I'm able to find out who they are. They got towed. You call them up. Tell you your, the story, and then you know after months and months of it, you find out who the spotters are, what they're doing, and it's just watching. I mean, it's it's truly investigative reporting, yeah. In the sense that you know we're out there, you know, uh, uh, 
using a shoe leather, you know, I mean, we're out on the streets following stuff. I mean, this isn't a thing where, you know, we get a tip and, you know, we're scouring through. I mean, a lot of people watch their, their TV news investigative reports. And it's like, you know, we found these documents down at city hall saying blah, 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 blah. You know, not that that's not a good story, but you know, in my opinion, that's a newspaper story. You know, I mean, people want to see, they want to see people get towed. They want to see the victims flipping out. You know, they want to hear me talking to the victims and it's easy for me to talk to the victims because when the lady says, you know, I'm 88 years old and they left me stranded and I had to walk through the snow to the bus station because I didn't, I don't have a cell phone because I'm an 88 year old lady. Yeah. You know, I can totally uh, uh, have empathy for her because it's like, oh my God, you know, that's brutal. You know, that is absolutely brutal. So when I got to go after the tow people, you know, it's easy for me to go up to them and say, you know, hey, you know, why are you towing these these people? Why are you doing this? You know, why don't you talk to me? So, you know, like I said, you know, I'm a good guy. And honestly, I just am a good guy. <laughs> no, no, no. You I know? believe it. I mean, because you uh, you get into the trenches with these guys. And I got to tell you, some of the, you know, y- you are able to dig up their criminal records. You find out that they have, you know, decades, sometimes years and years of histories of various crimes, you know, whether it's, you know, drugs, guns, you know, whatever they're doing, unlicensed drivers. And um, y- you're, you're kind of getting in their in their face, so to speak, you know, in a non-conference. But you're, you're calling them out on it. And uh, you're, you're going to bat for these people that can't go to bat for themselves and exposing them do you ever run across i mean because a lot of these people you see they they are very you know put off and they're you know you know this rob wolchek guy he's just he's just after me and um do you ever find any that that just go man you're right you know you know i know you said it's a very small percentage but is there is there a moment where somebody you felt like you you kind of got to them and maybe they changed their tune or no well, I've had guys that looked like they, they, they were going to cry, but honestly, I mean, dude, I wish I could tell you that they changed their ways, but they just don't. You know, they just don't change their ways. I don't know. Maybe there are some out there that did change their ways, and that's why I don't hear about it. Yeah, sure, sure. But uh, it doesn't happen too often. It, it, it's really a rarity. I mean... Really, the guys that I go after, and I don't go after anybody. I'm not going to do my big hall of shame shtick, and I'm not going to uh, invest all this time. I'm not going to put, you know, like like sometimes I'll go and I'll speak to like a chamber of commerce somewhere, and people say things like, "Oh my God, I get so scared when Rob Walchek walks into <laughs> my, my business." I'm thinking, you know, "What did I do?" And I always tell them, "You know what? I'm not going to go. I got it. You're a dry cleaner, and 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 once in a while you make a mistake and you give somebody a." Uh, the wrong shirt or you burn a hole in some pants. I'm not going to do a story about that. You know, I mean, I'm going after, you know, the, the dry cleaner that, uh, closed shop, took all the clothes and sold them on eBay and then opened another shop down the street. And this is the third time he's done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, they're bad guys. I go after bad guys and that's why they don't change because they're bad guys. You know, and as far as bringing up their criminal back past, that's just kind of a gauge to show you. I mean, I mean, if a guy's got a drunk driving or something and the story has nothing to do with drunk driving, I'm probably not going to bring it up. If the guy's got a, a, a domestic violence thing and the story's got nothing to do with domestic violence, I'm probably not going to bring it up. 
But if a guy is being accused of cheating a bunch of people, and he's got a criminal record going back to 1990 for larceny here and larceny there and taking money under false pretenses and this and that, kind of shows a banner. Dude, you've lived your whole life stealing from people. You know, so yeah, I'm going to bring it up. And I don't know. Is that fair or is it unfair? I don't know. You know, it's fact. <laughs> so, you know, so so that's that's when I bring up the criminal records. And, and that's also gives people an idea of what type of evil they are. 100%. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are, these are repeat offenders. These are uh, frequent flyers, as we call in the business. It's not one guy that made a bad decision and, and you're, you know, pouncing on them. These are people that, that yeah, have been doing this for decades. Yeah, and I'm not going to jump on a guy who said, you know, and he was arrested for a bag of weed in 1996. Well, you know, whatever. That's not, you know, that's not got anything to do with with him being a scam artist, you know. I mean, I'm going after scam artists. I mean, a lot of times the bad guys get upset because I bring up their criminal past. But I'm only bringing up the criminal past that has, relates to what they're doing currently. Sure. You, know I mean? you got arrested for larceny in 1996, and here you are being accused of robbing somebody again. So, there you go. Yeah, there's the pattern. Let's talk about a couple of the success stories before I let you go. Uh, you know, the one that stood out to me, and I, and I will admit, you know, I'm a rock and roller, and, you know, we're all supposed to have this tough sort of, uh, you know, grit to us. Uh, you know, I, I can say I got a tear in my eye, Rob. You know, so uh, when the contractor was supposed to do this uh, this pathway for the wheelchair, and the fencing, I, it was terrible. It, it just, it, it was, it was so terrible. It took all this money, and uh, and then another contractor um, ended up after the story aired, donating their business to redo the driveway, redo the uh, the ramp, and everything else. And I saw that, and I go, you know, that's a success story there because not only did you know you out the guy that did that, but you know something good came out of it. You know, by somebody else yeah, going, hey, we're going to pick up the slack here. Tell me about that story. Well, that- yeah, that was a thing where, you know, they had this company, these these two knuckleheads that were running this <laughs> concrete company. Yeah. And I had talked to several victims that had been ripped off. And, you know, it sucks for anybody that gets ripped off. But there were a lot of people that got ripped off and whatever. I hired this guy to do a driveway. I gave him, you know, $8,000. And also... You know, a lot of times, you know, if you read comments and stuff, people say, who would give them $8,000 up front? These guys are very good at talking people into the money. You know, they, they might have given them $2,000, and then they came and did the job and said, you know, we're going to get some more concrete. I need another $2,000. Sure, you got it. They look like they're working. And then they do the – then they say, you know, we need $4,000. We can finish the job, and we'll be out of here tomorrow. Okay, great. Then they give them the $8,000, and they're gone, and they're going yeah. to come back. Yeah, Right. So, so I had a lot of victims like that, but when I went to that house with that family, and that was a very middle-class family, you know, and they got ripped off a tremendous amount of money, something like $26,000, to build a real, wheelchair ramp for their uh, uh, granddaughter. Yeah. And the granddaughter happened to be in the room, and, you know, uh, she was in the background, and I could hear her making you know, um, noises, you know, like, like kind of grunting noises and stuff. And I looked over and, and I mean, this was a severely disabled child. I mean, really, really disabled. I mean, just sad as can be. And here's this family who are going to take, I mean, a middle-class family going to shell out $25,000 to have a wheelchair ramp built. And these 
SOBs took their money, did a really bad job, didn't come back, didn't put rails on the wheelchair ramp. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was just heartbreaking. And so I called them out on it and, uh, and you know, whatever. I did a story on them. And, you know, a nice concrete company saw the story and contacted me and said, you know, I want to help them out. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'll, uh, and, and I don't arrange any of that kind of stuff. It's a thing where I'll call the family and if they want to talk to you, they can. Sure, and sure. So, the family called them and this company, Benici Contract, uh, Concrete, they came through and they built a beautiful new ramp and then they got some other people on board and they made it special and it was a happy ending for, for everybody, you know, except the bad guys. And, and the little girl got a ramp and everybody's happy, you know, so that that's good. But, but, but on the other hand also, here's one of the things, those guys... Those guys, after I did the story, they got charged criminally. Yeah. And originally they got charged with felonies. These two guys, they were from, uh, what was the name of their stupid company? Uh, uh, I can't think of the name of that, but they were, um, they had the Ferrari logo. Anyways, these two guys, Travis and Kevin, uh, Concrete Kevin. Anyways, these guys, uh, um, they both got charged with felonies. And then they were able to plead it down to misdemeanors, which are like chump change misdemeanors. Yeah, sure, sure. And that's why it's important what I do. I understand that the cops, and we all want that. The cops, we want the cops to go after murderers and rapists and people that are carrying knives and guns and everything. Absolutely. That's the first priority. Those are the people that want it, that should be locked up. But the problem is, is that these fraud artists have figured out that they can get away with ripping people off tens of thousands of dollars and ruining their lives. You still there? You have to lock up a guy who's threatening grandma with a knife, or you're going to lock up a guy who stole... Twenty thousand dollars from grandma. They're both really terrible, but yeah, you want the dude with the knife locked up, right? So that's who's in the prisons. That's who's in the jails. Are the violent people? These white collar criminals. They get away with it, you know. And so I put a little justice out there because when Concrete Kevin and Travis uh, go to pitch another job, somebody's going to pull up. Oh, you're the guys. That cheated the little girl in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the justice of it. And that's why it's important what I do, in my opinion. And that's why it's important that people tell me their stories. Because we don't want to get ripped off. You know, I mean, it's it's a terrible thing. And the court system just isn't set up to lock up those guys. So for the fact that some of these guys, you know, they plea out, um, you know, to, to these crimes and they and they get, you know, essentially a slap on the wrist. That doesn't dissuade you from what you're doing, because, you you know, these these uh, these cases or these reports take a lot of investigation, probably a lot of resources. And it drags out for the families that are involved until they finally, you know, the, the story, you know, airs, perhaps they get arrested. And then, you know, perhaps they don't get justice all the time because of the plea, but that doesn't stop you from what you're doing or, or dissuade you or feel like, you know, well, eh, well, am I, I making a difference? 
Yeah, my job is to be a TV reporter. You know, I mean, if somebody gets arrested and gets nailed for doing uh, uh, something bad, you know, that's icing on the cake. You know, my job is a TV reporter. You know, and sometimes people will even say things like, oh, Rob, you know, if you know this guy's driving without a license, why don't you have the cops arrested when he's driving away? Or if you know this guy <laughs> yeah. ripped off somebody, why don't you call the cops and this and that? It's not my job to call the cops. I, I, I'm not a victim of, of, of the crime. I'm a reporter, so, you know, I, I'm a reporter, and I report on the story, and that's my job. So I put it out on TV, and I put out good reports, and if the story comes out well, and people like the story, you know, and I, I am telling stories that I think are meaningful, and people seem to like them, uh, you know, that's my job. If these guys get arrested uh, and, and go to jail, you know, that's the cop's job. That's the prosecutor's job. Um, I mean, do I like to see them get off uh, easy? No, but I got nothing to say about it or nothing to do about it. I mean, personally, you know, do I sit there and talk with my cameraman and say, can you believe that BS? That guy got friggin' uh, 10 days suspended sentence for stealing $30,000. Yeah, you know, yeah. Of course, it's ridiculous. It's terrible. But, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't have anything to do with that. Um, but I do think it's important that my story is out there. Well, my story's out there, and uh, he's going to try to rip somebody else off, and I'm going to save somebody from getting ripped off by him. You know? So that's, that's my job. Well, I think what you're doing is admirable, uh, and, you know, uh, the uh, there's a contractor, a big dude. He's in front of the Home Depot with throwing pipe in the back of his truck, and he's coming at you. He's uh, looking to elbow you. He's he's and he's you know twice your size. You've dealt with them before, and 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 you don't back down because you're protecting the the folks out there that are getting screwed by these guys. And uh, and that's why we hail you here at this that and the other radio show. And that's why I've been chasing you for the last year because I I find what you do not only I mean listen it is entertaining to to see these people that are doing bad things to get called out. Um, but with that being said, I think you're doing good things and we should celebrate the good things like getting that street that, that went unpaved for God knows how long, you know, you did one news report about it and, and the people showed up. It was like the sun shining after, you know, an earthquake or something. I mean, you really changed this whole neighborhood's life by getting their street paved. And, uh, I appreciate what you're doing. I love stuff like that, but you know, you do it with a, with a rock and roll rock star attitude. So whether, you know, you're not uh, strapped with a guitar on stage at Gazzari's right now, I think you're doing it a different style and uh, I appreciate you coming on uh, this that and the other radio show Dirty Radio.fm Dirty Radio Classics Rob Wolchek uh, the Hall of Shame the Goat Reporter um, is there anything else uh, we can cover we can share with uh, anything you're working on now obviously without giving it away no all I want to do is you know, uh, uh, well I'm always working on good stories but that's all yeah. top secret if I told you I'd have to kill you right but, no, I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to say you know I, I'm, I'm an old funny duddy TV reporter now in my 60s, you know, but I'm I'm still a rock and roller. Yeah. And I still love, I mean, I love the fact that my work has been able to touch people. And I hope your audience likes me and likes my stories because, you know, I mean, it just, it, it shocks me. I got a kid in college and he tells me all his friends are big fans of mine and stuff. And it's almost embarrassing, but I like it because, you know, I'm kind of a cool guy, even though I'm an old fart now. And it re I really appreciate that your listeners and your fans and, and the, the rock and rollers that are still out there 
like my work because you know I, I think I'm I think I'm helping the world and and that's what I set out to do and I couldn't do it with my guitar and my beautiful singing voice but <laughs> I'm trying to do it with my with my TV stories and I really appreciate uh, you being a fan of mine and that's why I'm happy to do your show and 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 I I love that you're so researched and you know whatever man it's 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 humbling, man. It's just beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, so uh, speaking of listeners and fans, how do they find you out on the internet? What's the best way uh, to communicate with you or to check out your stories? Well, you know, you could just Google my name and you'll see a bunch of my stories. You know, they're all over YouTube and uh, they're on the Fox 2 website. And, you know, you can be a Facebook fan of mine or a Twitter fan of mine. Just put in Rob Walchek. That's it. There's only one, one and only you know, it's a weird Russian name, uh, and there's uh, you know five wall chicks in the whole country, and I'm uh, I'm the Rob one. And and thank so, God there's only one Rob Wolchek for uh, all the scammers out there, because <laughs> they don't need a whole family of wall checks after them. Uh, you do a good enough job, and that's W O L C H E K. And you can find him on his YouTube channel. He's got uh, Rob Wolchek, investigative reporter. Check out the stories. It doesn't matter if it's ten years ago, fifteen years ago, or two weeks ago. Uh, these interactions with these people that take advantage of of the regular folk like all of us out here uh are getting called out and uh and rob's uh kicking butt and taking names and thanks so much for coming on the show rob i i do appreciate i've been waiting for this day for probably over a year and i appreciate you uh finding time to do it and 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 finding the the uh, the the moment to come on here and, and rap with me about what you do and uh tell me a little bit about your story thanks man yeah, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. Anytime, man. Right on. And next time I'm in Detroit, we'll grab an iced tea together, okay? Hell yeah. I'll come jam with your band, man. Dude, I'll let's do it. Hey. I will, I, I will do it. I, I kid you not. I mean, if you if you want to play like a Ramon song or something easy like So I went on stage a few years ago with Sponge, which is a Detroit yeah, uh, of course. band, 90s band. I played on stage with him. I played a Blitzkrieg bop or something on stage with him, and it was awesome, man. It was friggin' awesome. So well, I'll go up on stage with you, man. I'll rock out. Listen, you said it here on the air, so we, we sort of have a, a little bit of a verbal contract. I will make that happen next time I'm in uh, Detroit. It, man. I, will, I will go up there. I'm not saying I'll be good. But <laughs> hey, it's punk rock. It's okay, man. <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right, man. Hey, Rob, you take care, and uh, I'm going to shoot you a text after this, but uh, be safe out there and, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Rob Wolchek, the uh, GOAT reporter, Fox 2 Detroit, the Hall of Shame. Thanks so much, man. Can I get a Hall of Shame on your way out? Oh, you're in the hall of shame. <laughs> yes. All right, dude. I hail you, man. Thanks, bro. All right. Cheers, man. Rob Walchek, Fox 2 Detroit. That was awesome. I've been waiting to, to talk to him for years. Uh, well, at least a year and a half. And uh, I got chills right now. The dude is a badass. And I appreciate him coming on uh, this, that, and the other radio show, Dirty Radio, Dead FM, Dirty Radio Classics. Uh, hey. Oh, you're in the hall. Hey everybody out there in Radio Land, this is Joe Exotic. What's more fun than having a big old tiger bark? Listen to this, that, and the other on DirtyRadio.fm on the Dirty Classics Network. Someone's going home if we don't get this right. Dirty Dirty Radio Radio Classics. Classics.